It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Of course, uh, Makes Magic Happen at Sports Illustrated is our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, we're just uh, breaking down a little jazz basketball. People around here obviously excited. Jazz rattle off 11 in a row. And uh, regardless of yesterday's game against the Nuggets, uh, appear to be playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, playing great. You know, all throughout the month of January, um, I mean, there's a million different ways you can break it down. But, you know, for me, from a team perspective, I see a team that is making a lot of threes and getting a lot of stops. And when you do that, you know, it, you're pretty hard to beat on on either end of the floor. So, you know, long way to go, but that's the kind of, of recipe uh, for success. You know, three-point shooting at a high level and defending at a high level. Chris, I know you think highly of Quinn Snyder. He was named Western Conference Coach of the Month. Uh, t- t- tell us about your experience with him as far as discussions about basketball and what you think that he's doing that's right. Well, he, he's obviously a really, really smart and deep basketball mind, um, you know, what he's doing right. I think, look, last year, certainly when you have a new point guard, which is the head of the snake on a team and a point guard who, as we've discussed, has you know been used to playing a certain way his entire career, there's an adjustment period. And, and you guys heard Quinn all throughout last year. He was nothing but positive with his reinforcement of Mike Conley uh, stuck by him all throughout, and I think you're seeing some of that pay dividends this year with the way you know Conley is playing. He's been you know an All Star this year, which would be you know remarkable since Mike Conley is the you know the guy that never makes the All Star team. So I think that you know I, I got to give Quinn Snyder a lot of credit for that part of the Jazz success. And and look, he's just very consistent with how he coaches that team. They play a certain style, they adjust occasionally, but they they believe they can beat you with the way they play and 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 that's a testament to to what Quinn's been able to do you tweeted about Mike Conley a few minutes ago and talked about his plus minus which is just nuts uh plus 20 uh, 241 as you indicate uh, in your tweet but you know if if Mike can continue to play like this and Boyan Bogdanovich who, who got off to a little bit of a slow start comes around I mean is this level of play possibly sustainable for the Jazz oh I think it is um you know, you can you can get into the playoffs and start to nitpick about the ceiling based on a couple of things. You know, do you do you have that second elite scorer in that group? Is Bogdanovic that guy? Is Conley that guy? And then you can have a discussion about, you know, how much do you trust Jordan Clarkson to be able to continue this level of play? But as far as, you know, competing for a top three spot, there's no reason to believe this team can't, you know, be right there fighting for that number one seed uh, at the end of the playoffs, I mean, Mike Conley figuring it out was should not have been surprising. I mean, it, it you know, again, we, we we've talked about this, but playing one way in Memphis and then adjusting to a new style, new teammates. Of course, there was going to be an adjustment period, but it shouldn't be surprising at all that Mike Conley has turned it around and and looked like the guy we saw playing at a high level in Memphis for so many years. But they've got all the pieces. I think Bogdanovic is going to get better as the season goes on. Uh, you know, Joe Ingles is making shots. Gobert is the defensive stopper that he's always been for this team, maybe a little bit better than what we saw at times last year. Um, 
you know, they're, they're built to win a lot of regular season games, and, and, and that's going to put them in a great position to have home court advantage in the first and second rounds of the playoffs. So then that begs the question, Chris, about whether this style of play, letting those three-pointers fly, getting up and down the floor quickly, prioritizing that, will that can that be successful on a regular basis in the postseason? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I mean Golden State kind of made it successful, <laughs> just winging <laughs> three-pointers uh, for, for multiple seasons. And, and they were certainly weren't the defensive team that I think the Jazz – can be. I mean, they they certainly had more guys that you would consider reliable, of course, right? Especially when Durant was there. You have Durant, one of the great three point shooters of all time. Steph Curry, you know, top five three point shooter of all time. Clay Thompson, same cut from the same kind of cloth. I mean, the Jazz have some good three point shooters, but nowhere near as proven as those guys are. So if they're if they're making these shots at the clip they're making them, you know, absolutely, that's a that's a championship formula. It's just a question of you know when the playoffs come around and. You know, the game slows down a little bit, and, and some of the younger guys are put in, in different positions. Uh, you know, how how significant will there be? But, you know, it, it's funny. Like, everyone kind of has the Nuggets, you know, kind of you know earmarked as maybe the, the team that could upset the apple cart and win the Western Conference. Well, the Nuggets and the Jazz last year were separated by one shot. You know, that Mike Conley three that, that bounced off at the end of that first-round series. You know, and, and I think you can certainly make the argument – that the Jazz, the team that got better, demonstrably better, with Bogdanovic coming back and with Conley showing improvements and Clarkson, you know, playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, you know, I, I look, I, I think we're, if people aren't buying the Jazz as a real contender in that conference, I, I think they're sleeping on them. Hey, Chris, Jake, I apologize. I was stuck in 1995 with that question. <laughs> Uh, Chris Mannix is with us from Sports Illustrated, uh, of course. And last night we watched Nikola Jokic just take apart the Jazz. I mean, he was he was incredible. Forty-seven points. He tied his career high. He, I mean, he had one of those those truly special nights. And we were talking with uh, David Locke after after the game, of course, voice of the Utah Jazz. And he asked me who my MVP of the year so far would be, and would that be Nikola Jokic? What's your opinion on that? Who's been the most valuable player so far? You know. <laughs> Jokic has a case, Embiid has a case, but it's going to be hard to pry the award away from LeBron this year. Um, you know, I, LeBron absolutely was not robbed last year. He wasn't. No matter how many people say it or how many people point to the championship, like, it doesn't matter. Giannis had one of the great regular seasons of all time, and his team was the best by a mile in the Eastern Conference. That's what matters. Like, that's what the award is predicated on, not on postseason success, on regular season success. All that being said, I think there will be kind of the opposite of voter fatigue when it comes to LeBron. They'll be looking more towards him or giving him a, or finding a reason to vote for him this year because of uh, the perception that he was snubbed last year. Not to say he doesn't deserve it either way. The guy's shooting, what, like above 40% from three for the second time in his career He's right around 50% from the floor. He's doing all this in uh, the fewest minutes per game he's averaged in his career, and his team is is a top-three team and might finish as a top team in the Western Conference. So I, I just feel like no matter what statistics Jokic and Embiid and let's say the Mavericks turn around and Luka rejoins the conversation, those statistics aren't going to matter uh, in, in this race. I, I think there'll be too many people uh, inclined to vote for LeBron. It's funny about LeBron. I mean, he's – He's been around so long, he survived voter fatigue towards him back in 2010 when Derrick Rose won the award. And, and now his, his, 
has come full circle with voter fatigue being kind of directed against him uh, this time around. So the Clippers are 16 and five and the Sixers are 15 and six. Which of those two teams atop their conferences right now is playing better basketball? Well, I mean, they're both playing really well. I don't know if I can put the, I don't know if I could say who's playing better. And I think the way to answer it is maybe I believe in the Sixers a little bit more. I mean, MB and Simmons, uh, a lot of attention gets paid to, you know, are they compatible? It's not it's never been about are they compatible. It's about do you have the right guys around them? A couple of years ago, the Sixers did with Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick and other guys. Then last year, they screwed it up by getting a bunch of non-shooters and putting them around them. This year, they've you know gone the right way again with Danny Green and, and Seth Curry. Like They've added the right pieces, and, and it's all worked out. And when you can play defense at that level, I think you give yourself a, a real chance uh, in your conference. The Clippers, I mean, they're fine. They're, they're doing well in the regular season, but I still need to see what they look like when they get punched in the mouth. I mean, that's, that's still a team that is suspect until they show they can overcome adversity in the postseason. It's, it's one thing to do it right now when nothing's on the line, and you can all talk about Paul George can talk about being motivated, and the Clippers can talk about locker room chemistry, but do it when there's something at stake and you're down 2-1 in the series and, and you've got to overcome some adversity. Until the Clippers do that, I'm just going to kind of shrug my shoulders at whatever they do in the regular season. Chris, I want to ask you about the Mavericks. We just saw them a couple of times last week. And, and you know, granted, they caught the Jazz at a time where the Jazz were playing really, uh, really, really well. But, you know, they're at 8-12. and 12. I think probably not the start a lot of us expected. Uh, is, is there something going wrong in Dallas? Yeah, they stink. That's what's going <laughs> wrong. I mean, they're, they're bad. Like, I, I don't really understand it because I thought this would be the year that they emerged as a top 4-5 team. I had Carlisle pegged as my coach of the year, but – you know, that, that went the complete opposite direction. Uh, they, the most inexplicable stat is they can't make threes, right? Like, they, they were, I think, a top-ten team in three-point shooting last year. It's not like they reinvented the roster. They made some changes with Curry going in and uh, or out and, and Richardson coming in. But they shouldn't be this bad from three-point range, that's for sure. And they've been awful. Like, they also don't defend at all, which is not going to get you in trouble, um, you know, especially when you're missing threes and giving up easy transition opportunities. I don't get it. I mean, Luca has looked like an MVP, at least numbers-wise, most of the year. Porzingis back in the mix. Uh, they should be a lot better. But for some reason, their chemistry, you know, it just hasn't clicked uh, with that group. Now, I'll give them a little bit of a pass, uh, at least time to get it back together because, <laughs> excuse me, they've, they've had some COVID issues. Um, they're getting Maxi Kleber back this week, who has been so big for them. And that's a guy that makes threes and defends, two things they're bad at right now. He does them. So getting Kleber back into the mix is going to be huge. Uh, but they've got to figure some stuff out because they don't look like they're playing inspired basketball at all. They don't look like they care. Um, and, and if you have that kind of demeanor this early in the season, it, it really doesn't bode well for the rest of it. So, Chris, i got to know what your opinion is on James Harden's new uh, release of two new fragrances. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you don't want to answer that one, tell me what you think about the way he's playing with the Nets. Well, I have no idea what his fragrances smell like whatsoever, and I can't remember the last time I went to a department store to buy something like that. But I would, I would say that as far as how he's playing, he's playing the right way, and he's playing in the way the Nets need him to play, which is to be a playmaker first and not be the James Harden that demanded the ball for 18 seconds out of the shot clock and 
you know, kind of became a black hole in his time in in Houston. And look, I, I, in a way, I anticipated this. I mean, Harden's no idiot. Like he knows if he's forcing a trade to Brooklyn, he's going to a team that has two big time scorers already entrenched in Durant and Irving. Uh, he's got to know that he's got to be more of a playmaker, and I think he did and has embraced it. And that gives the Nets at least a chance to to succeed with this group. Now, they have a million other issues. I mean, you know, watching the Cavaliers kick the crap out of them last week and then uh, you know, the way they've defended for most of this time, most of the season really, that's a big-time problem. But the fact that Harden has bought in and is willing to be more of a playmaker, uh, that at least suggests there could be success with this team if they can find a way to shore up their defensive holes and the holes they have in the rotation. They went from one of the deepest teams in the league to being one of the, the shallowest and with, with a very limited rotation of players that they trust. That's something that's going to have to be addressed before the end of the season. But uh, for now, the way Harden's playing is the right way. Chris, your answer to this might actually be, be the Jazz, but I asked you about a team in Dallas that uh, is underperforming. Give us a team that's really overperforming in your mind right now. So, I mean, it is Utah. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I, I think most people expect them to be as good as last year, but I don't think anybody expects them to be uh, in this position right now. You can't really expect Jordan Clarkson to you know, look like the sixth man of the year right out of the gate. And Conley's improvements have been good, but his, uh, you know, his, his overall improvement has been spectacular uh, for that group. I mean, I look on a lesser scale, the Knicks have certainly surprised me. They're 9-12 and right now. Uh, I expect them to be four or five games off that pace. The credit to Tom Thibodeau. And what he's done in New York, Julius Randle's having kind of an all-star level season. I'd say in the West, Memphis being this good. I mean, you know, John Morant has only played six games this year. And Memphis right now is above 500 in the middle of the playoff field with the likelihood they're going to get Justice Winslow and Jaron Jackson Jr. back at some point this month. So uh, that's a team that I think a lot of people expected them to fall off a little bit or maybe fall outside the playoff picture with so many teams in the West uh, playing at a high level, but you know Memphis, I think is here to stay. Taylor, Taylor Jenkins, you know, I, I, I he is he's right up there as far as early candidates for coach of the year. I mean, uh, he, they made they were in the playoff mix last year. You know, fell out at the very end because of injuries. But uh, this year, the fact they've been able to stay at this level, this you know, this deep into the season is really impressive. So, Chris, Shaq, Shaq said what he said about Donovan Mitchell, and Jazz fans are a little sensitive about this sort of thing because. There have been times when they're not sure that the quote-unquote national media is paying attention to what's going on. You are you are a primary national voice about NBA basketball. We just heard the way you feel about the Jazz. When you have conversations with uh, colleagues and others uh, that also cover the league at, at that level, what are they saying about the Jazz? Do they believe in this team? Do they think this is a flash in the pan? Do they think they can sustain this? Uh, what do you think? Well, I, I think people believe wholeheartedly, as I said at the top, the Jazz can sustain this in the regular season. In the playoffs, you just have to see it, right? Like you need to see guys like Mitchell go deep into the playoffs. You need to see uh, you know, whether, again, Jordan Clarkson can be a, a playoff performer on a team with high expectations, having a big that's more defensive-oriented than offense and Rudy Gobert, I mean, does that affect you when games go smaller? Can teams kind of out-dynamic you in the playoffs? They're just a different animal. So I think there's a lot of people that believe, like I do, that the Jazz are going to be in the mix for a top-three seed in the conference. It's the playoffs. We'll see. It's not, an, it's not a question of that they can't do it. It's just you wonder until these guys get there 
how do they perform? On, on the Shaq thing, though, it's like, I mean, uh, it drives me a little bit crazy. Not that Shaq isn't an all-time great player, but Shaq didn't win anything without Kobe. He didn't win anything without Dwayne Wade. Like, not not to disparage anybody in the Jazz roster, but there's no Kobe on that roster right now. There's no Dwayne Wade on that roster right now. Mitchell is the Dwayne Wade on that roster right now. You, look, nobody wins by themselves. You need to have high-level teammates around you to give you a shot to win. Now, given the way the Jazz have played, if Donovan Mitchell flames out in the first round of the playoffs, then maybe you can have a discussion. But until then, just give me a break. I mean, it's at no point has he been surrounded by the kind of talent that you would expect them to make a deep playoff run. They almost won the first, the first round last year against a very good Nuggets team without Bogdanovic and with Conley still trying to figure it out. Like, you're telling me that, that he, was, he should be expected to be carrying a team deep in the playoffs? I, I don't buy that at all. I think Donovan Mitchell 100% is the goods and has the goods to win a championship as the leader of that team. You put the right pieces around him like it looks like the Jazz have right now, and they will make deep playoff runs. I, I do not buy into the idea that Donovan Mitchell is not someone that can carry a team or whatever it was that Shaq said. I think that's just kind of crazy. Chris, uh, you're based there in Boston, and you wear many hats, and, and I don't think one of them is weatherman, but couldn't help but notice you guys are uh, getting a bit of weather out there, huh? Well, welcome to the Northeast, where it snowed for six hours this morning and is now pouring rain for six hours this afternoon. <laughs> so anybody that you know drove up to Vermont to jump on the mountain probably wound up in a ice storm on their way down the hill. So it's, uh, it's, it's not fun in the Northeast. You know, about that, uh, I grew up uh, on the East Coast as well. And yep. People don't understand that those streets, when you get that freezing rain and that thing, you can ice skate on the street sometimes. I mean, it's this just is, crazy. This, yeah, this this is the downside. Like, I love seasons. It's why I've lived in the Northeast my entire life. Like, give me spring, summer, fall, winter, three months, four months of each. I, I'm all there for it. But January and February suck. They absolutely suck. It's just if you like, give, I'm a snowboarder, guys. Like, you know, I, I love. I miss the days of being able to go out to Utah, so I can ride out to Park City to check that out. But uh, you, <laughs> it's way too unpredictable with this weather. You wind up in a. You could look like you could be in a perfect blizzard to go snowboarding, and then you get freezing rain that dumps on you and makes your life miserable. January and February, not fun months to live in the Northeast. Yeah, that sounds awful. You're right. We do. We we like our snow light and powdery out here, Chris. That's yeah, so I do too. We don't, don't get enough of it. That's for sure. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for jumping on with us as always. You're a highlight of the week. Thanks, man. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, some of the videos coming out of uh, the weekend from up there at the resorts with uh, with all that powder looked amazing up there this weekend. Speaking of videos, did you see that video out of Chicago, Lake Michigan, all yeah, icy and chunks, chunks of ice and moving with the water? Man, it looked almost haunting, you know? I I wouldn't want to be stuck out there. Maybe if you were in a, in a what do you call those icebreakers? What do you call those, uh, those ships that can make their way through that stuff? But man, I just, it's, it, cold is scary. Didn't somebody say that cold's not if, scary? Come well, on, I mean, cold, yeah, what, cold, 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 the cold softest extreme, thing you've ever extreme, said. Extreme, extreme cold. I mean, didn't they say that somebody that falls into into uh, like 30 degree icy water i mean you would literally have like five minutes to live yeah those polar bear people are doing it all the time they're fine <laughs> oh, 
Fine. Well, it is weird though because it seems like uh, the entire country is getting uh, bombarded with snow, except for us. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to push fifty today. I thought I should be playing golf. Oh, jeez, listen. Yeah, yeah, there are hardy folk out there in Utah. Hey, I played golf in January this year. I, I mean, and how'd it go? Were you cold? No, it's great. We had a great. Were time. you wearing a parka? No, I threw on uh, like uh, I threw on some long johns and a sweatshirt and uh, my you know the hope something over the long johns my golf rain pants yeah yeah okay. when I uh, it was great no in, the sun was out it was beautiful when I was uh, living in Southern California somebody had a good idea in the winter months to go play oh. some golf LA. and typically it is rather comfortable down there but we left early in the morning and got on that golf course it was out beyond the San Fernando Valley someplace. And somebody checked the temperature, and it was like 37 degrees. <gasps> and I thought, no, no, I'm not kidding you. I thought, what are we doing playing golf in weather like this? It was freezing. And, you know, I mean, I'm a big hitter, so I need to be loosened up and warm. And, you know, I, I was not playing well, and so obviously I blamed it on how cold it, it did warm up to about 60 that day, but so now in one segment, you've claimed the entire East Coast and California. <laughs> hey, well, I've been around, all right. We'll have more big show coming up next, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.